Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here and welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the Hilltop. I am continuing a series right now on, well, well, this is the one really about just kind of boiling down one of the things that I believe is the fundamental essence of our faith, but really kind of the core of Christianity. Now, in this message, this is 11 years old, okay? I, I looked it up. It's now 11, and, and I really believe we taught this series in the spring of 2011 at the Birmingham Dream Center. That means it's it's 11, like almost to the date, to the time, to the season, because it's spring when we are unloading this content straight to you. Now, now someone said, why, why would you go back and resurrect old content? Why not just teach something new? Here's why. Uh, number one is because the old content is really, really good, uh, in, in my opinion. Now, there's some things I listen back to that I've done, and I think, oh, Oh geez, I can't believe I wrote that, said that, taught that. Uh, gotta gotta apologize to the people that heard that. Uh, so this is really a little bit different. Number two, this content. When I was teaching at the Birmingham Dream Center, we had a small group that ran uh, winter of 2011 through the summer of 2011 until some leadership at the church we were attending killed it uh, because it was getting a little bit large. It had at that time, I think about 250, 300 people. It had started with just a handful. And it was this amazing season where we were uh, in the evenings in the middle of the city in Birmingham down in Woodlawn. You know, had that many people coming and we were cooking out every uh, every Tuesday night. Uh, we would feed everybody and then we'd have the Bible study. They, they didn't have to attend in order to eat. They could eat and leave. And you know, some people did and we encouraged them if they needed to go take the food to a parent or a grandparent or were helping someone eat, goodness, God bless you, go feed them, you know, that sort of thing. It was this great season of just freedom and fun. And I really believe that is, if I look back, I've spoken on a stage uh, at churches, at events for a really long time, but that was one of the moments where really kind of the teaching changed for me. It became more grace-driven. I really think it became more simple where instead of talking you know, seven or eight points, sometimes we do that when the purpose is just to inform people, but really in a teaching environment, it might just be more to impart faith, hope, inspiration, uh, breathe life into people. That's when it really became more, much more simple. Um, and so that's why I'm going back to this old stuff. And, and honestly, third reason, I guess, is right now I'm in the middle of creating and releasing some new content all related to the LifeLift project. So I thought, well, I want to keep sending information out to you. And then I found this stuff and I thought, oh, this has been sitting on my computer and I haven't looked at it for a long season. Jeez, let's re-release. Okay, so in this talk, let me tell you what you're going to hear. Often we think that Christianity is about amassing information. The more facts I know, the more figures I have, the more uh, data I can keep in my head about the Bible, the more stories I know from the scripture, the more information that I intake, the more mature I am. And when you look in the scripture, it's really different. It, it's not based on the information that you have access to or the information that you have a mental intellectual command of. It's more about the transformation that you experience and how you're able to walk this thing out 
in real life. Okay, so so let me just roll into it. I'll be back at the end after this talk, and I want to give you some information all about what's in the links in the show notes there because I've got some free resources for you. So here's the talk. It's number two in the series, Transformation, Not Information. Last week, I started talking to you just about basic, simple Christianity. And, and the idea was just to take this big thing and break it down. And, and here's, here's what I told to you. That so often when we come into the Christian life, we think of the Christian life as this long uphill journey. And what we wanted to boil it down to last week is to say, yeah, sometimes it's long and sometimes it's uphill and sometimes it's difficult. But when you just break it down, Christianity is simply, and I think I've got a shot up on the screen there, it's just simply Take the next step. Just whatever the next single step that God has for you, take that one step, which will look different for all of us. And if we all just take whatever that step is, followed by another step and another step and another step, that, that's it. And, and you look over just this trajectory of your life and you see all this change that the Lord's brought about. Tonight, I want to take that idea a little bit farther and just break it down like this. So often, I have thought that Christianity is just piling on information after information after a bit of information. And you might have thought this too, that the way I grow spiritually, that the way you grow spiritually is that we somehow get into a Bible study group and, and we just learn more data. We just learn more facts about the scripture, about what Jesus did, just more information. And, and although information is good, what I want to say tonight is, is Christianity is not only information. Christianity is actually at its core, transformation. Okay? Can, can you just think through that? It's not information. It is transformation. And, and it's not just transformation for you. And, I, and I'm going to show you in the Bible. It is transformation that literally leaves this wake behind you. Um, so I started searching. I went to the internet. That's where you can find all good uh, information, right? Um, or as Mark Bensinger called it outside, um, the interwebs. Uh, he thought that's what, okay, that, that didn't go over very well. That's funny, guys. He called it the interwebs. It's the inter okay. So I went to Wikipedia, and uh, Wikipedia defines Christianity as this. They say, uh, they say this, Christianity is a religion based on the teachings of Jesus. Okay? Again, it's just learning. kind of. It's true, uh, and, and I don't want to knock it. I'm just kind of showing you. None, none of these are untrue. They're just kind of all slanted towards the information bit. I, I went to a, another website, the Evangelical Lutheran um, Church, Evangelical Christians, Lutheran association, whatever. So again, kind of a mainstream Christian thing um, where they believe and follow Jesus. And, and here's, here's what they said. I got it on the screen there too. Christians believe in Jesus Christ. That, that's true, isn't it? That's, so again, but belief-centered, information-centered. It's, it's not that these things are wrong. It's, it's not that they're, they're, they're evil. They're, they're certainly not. In fact, they're right. But it's, again, it's just kind of the information. So another one, I got this from uh, the Jesus Folk website. So I've got a, a secular one, uh, Wikipedia. I've got kind of a mainstream Christian. That's uh, evangelical Lutherans. And, and then I've got Jesus Folk's kind of a hippie version of Christianity, you know, kind of like the Jesus people of the 70s. They wear flip-flops and guitars and 
sing kumbaya in circles around campfires. They say this. They say Christianity is not something we do. It's something Jesus did. That's, that's true, too, that it's not something you do in the present, but it's something that Christ did. The, the, the issue is all of these things kind of center on just what we believe, right? And, and, and again, I don't want to chuck the belief. It's important. But Christianity is core. It's not just only information. What is it? It is, it's transform. Okay, let me give you the answer again. Transformation is the answer. All right. It's not just information. Christianity is transformation. Okay, that's half. Let's go for more. Christianity is not just information. It is tra transformation. Okay, he wants to change you and to change the people around you. So I'm looking in the Bible and I'm thinking, what is it in the Bible that people said about Jesus? Because if this belief thing is so important to us, what is it that was driving people's belief in the Bible? And, and this is what's shocking. Let me let me just show you this. All of these informations are, are, are crazy. In Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to rip you right through some of the Gospels. Matthew 11, there's a crowd that gathers around Jesus. This is um, the opponents of John the Baptist. You remember John's the one that baptized Jesus? And the opponents of John the Baptist came up to Jesus and, and they, they say this in Matthew 11, 19. Here's what they said about Jesus. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, the opponents of John the Baptist, look, he is a glutton and a wine-bibber. That's what people thought about Jesus. That's the belief people thought. He's a glutton. He eats a lot. He's a, he's a drunkard is what people thought. Information. Let me, let me give you some more. Um, maybe an, another one. If you go to Matthew chapter 16, 14, um, you get the idea here. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, you know, who, who do men say that I am? He's walking out on the street with them near Caesarea Philippi. This is the famous situation where Simon Peter says, you're the Christ. And, and Jesus, before that, he just kind of says, well, who, who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street? And the word on the street is, is this. Well, some people say you're John the Baptist. He was already dead. Some people say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah. Others say the prophet. That would be Moses or like one of the prophets. In other words, the information that was floating in Jesus' day was some people thought he's a drunkard or a wine-bibber. Some people thought that Jesus is, is just simply a dead guy from the Old Testament that's come back to life. Okay, information. It could, it could lead him wrong. Um, another one, Mark chapter 3. Some of you know this. This is Jesus' family. Jesus is teaching in a crowd, and the family comes up there, and, and, and the family um, goes to actually gather Jesus and take him back from teaching because the Bible says that they said this. They went to lay hold of him, Mark 3.21, because they said he is out of his mind. He's crazy. He's, he's certifiably insane is what people thought. You, you go to someone else in Mark chapter 3 verse 30. This is the scribes. They're the religious leaders of the day. And, and when they start talking about who Jesus is, um, it, it actually says that, that they said he has an unclean spirit and the by the power of demons he cast out demons. So again, do you see all the things people were saying about, about Jesus? Everybody didn't just think he's the son of God. They thought all of this kind of contradictory information um, they say the same thing in Luke eleven fourteen that he cast out demons by the power of demons. Um, in Mark chapter 6, Herod is there, and, and he says this. He says, now Herod had beheaded John because he made this deal at a, at a wedding banquet when somebody danced for Herod. And he said, I'll give you whatever you want up to half my kingdom. And the lady said, well, I want the head of John the Baptist.
Baptist. And so he's there and Herod says something like this. He says, John the Baptist is risen from the dead and therefore that's why all these powers are at work in him. So you see over and over people really don't get it. In Mark 6 there's this episode where Jesus is out and he's walking on the sea in the middle of a storm and he comes up to the disciples and Mark says that they're afraid because they feared and thought Jesus was a ghost. So again, over and over, the ideas that were just in their mind were kind of, they just didn't quite match. Um, Maybe you remember when Jesus in his first sermon in Luke chapter 4, and he's preaching and they marvel at his gracious words. But then some people that are there, they say, they say this, is this not the carpenter's son? Like, is this not just the guy down the street? Uh, Again, just idea after idea after idea, all kind of wrong. One more. In John chapter 8, the the Pharisees are there. And they're talking with Jesus. He's confronting them. And they say say, say something like this. Are we not correct in saying that, that you are a Samaritan and that you have a demon? Are we not correct in saying, nobody knew his dad was. They knew his mom was Mary, but are we not correct in saying that, that basically you're, you're kind of illegitimate? You're a foreigner, you're a half-breed, which would have been a big deal in their culture, and you're possessed. Again, the idea that people never quite got the information correct. There's the episode when Jesus is ascending up to the Father in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go make disciples. And if you read that episode, you think, Jesus is back from the dead. Jesus is, I mean, for goodness sake, people wanting to see a sign. He's back from the dead, and he's going up into heaven. And he says, all authority given to me. And right then in Matthew 28, verse 17, it says that some of the disciples doubted. In fact, if you look in the scripture, the only people that ever got the information about Jesus correct is in Mark chapter 1. There's this person that's possessed with a demon in the synagogue, and he comes and throws himself at Jesus' feet. And he says, Jesus of Nazareth, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Did you come to destroy me? And if you look in Mark chapter 5, the demoniac is their legion whom he cast thousands of demons at. And this man throws himself at Jesus' feet and says the exact same thing. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And it seems to me so odd because in the Bible, nobody got it right? In fact, the only people that seemed to get it, it was, it, was, it was El Diablo. The devil himself got it. Everybody else on the complete opposite. And yet we reduce Christianity just to information. And the information is good and the information will help you. But Christianity was not just information. Christianity was transformation. There's this incredible story about the early church, an early church that just grew after the scripture was, was kind of canonized and you start reading just real history. And everybody all throughout just real history says that the early church grew because they were so just childlike obedient, is what they say in the history books, to the scripture. And so they say things like, in the hundreds, Christians just died at the stakes over and over because they so believed it, not just the information, but they were so 
so changed by it that they just lived it and the blood of the martyrs became the seeds of the early church. They said they believed it so much that they just lived it and it was such an overflow that nobody could stop it because they were changed so much that it affected so much around them. Again, not the information, transformation. In the 300s, there was this plague that swept all across the known world through Rome and through Europe and people just died by the thousands. In fact, family members, when somebody contracted the plague, they would throw their family member out in the street. It is said that the Christians, our brothers and sisters in the years 300s would go and they would take care of their own family members, but they would also go pick up abandoned family members that other people had thrown on the street and they would nurse them back to health. And it says that the early church grew like wildfire during the plague because they didn't just believe the information, but they were changed by it. The transformation happened and they grew and then the church grew because the people were changed and transformed. Do you see it? The, like the main text that I want to give you tonight is, is from this. It's from Acts chapter 11, verse 21. In Acts chapter 11, verse 21, it, it actually says this. Acts chapter 11, verse 26, I'm sorry. It says, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. I often just glossed over it, but it, it was just a title. They're called Christians. We walk in here and we say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Are you a, and we just kind of link that to being a follower of Christ. Here's the idea, though. In the book of Acts, all in the book of Acts, up until that point, they don't call themselves Christians. They call themselves followers of the way. Jesus had laid out this way for them to live, and they just kind of followed that way and called themselves followers of the way of Jesus of Nazareth. It was outsiders that came in and put that label on them and said, you guys are Christians. It wasn't something they owned for themselves. It was something that people from the outside saw, not just based on the information these people believed, but based on the changed lives and the change they were creating and said, you guys are Christians. Here's the kicker about that. What they should have named them, if they were just naming them after the name of the man they followed, is they should should have named them Jesusans or Jesusters or, or something like that because that was his name. His name is Jesus and if they're following Jesus they would have just named them after him. Here's the issue. Jesus was Jesus the Messiah the anointed one. Jesus the Messiah Messiah means anointed one he was also called Jesus the Christ Christos being the same just interchangeable word there for Messiah meaning anointed. Jesus the anointed one. When they called these people our brothers and sisters in the faith in ancient times, when they called them Christians, they weren't calling them just followers of Christ. They were naming them after his anointing, his weight, his heaviness of the Holy Spirit that was resting upon them that they saw. Do you see that? And do you see how incredible? They didn't name them after his name. They named them after his empowerment. Okay, that's what Christianity is. It's not just the information. So many people have got bits and pieces of the information wrong. All throughout the Bible, we saw even the disciples doubted. We saw all through the Bible that the only people who actually got the information correct were the people who opposed Jesus at that time. But our brothers and sisters somehow lived it out such that there was no denying that they were empowered and anointed in such a way that they could carry it out. People can't argue with what you do, right? They can't argue with the life that you live. They can't argue with the fruit. They can't argue with the empowerment. There's this scripture in 1 John that I want to kind of leave you with as we close. In 1 John, 
1 John chapter 2. John says this. He says, you, and he's talking to the people in the church. He says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. What does the name Christ mean? What does the name Christian mean? It means anointing. It means that you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. That the greatest change and the greatest thing God wants to do in you is not just information in your head. That's important because it's important that we believe the right things. That empowers us to really think the right things and then put our faith and, and trust. But the greatest work he wants to do is not just information in your head. The greatest work he wants to do is the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit inside of you. See, it's not only what you believe, it's what you do. It's, it's the information that becomes transformation through you. Do you see it? He says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. He goes on in verse 27. The anointing, the empowerment as a Christian, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone would teach you. Okay? Now, I'm not saying don't go to a Bible study. I'm not saying not to come here. Those things can be important. What he's saying is the greatest thing is that God can actually speak directly to you. And he can work directly through your life. And he can transform you from the information you've received. And he can make that just overflow and burst through you. Do you see that? He says, you, you don't need anybody to teach you. The same anointing teaches you. The same empowerment that you have teaches you concerning all things. And you will abide in him. That's what the scripture says. So here, here's my question. Just kind of wrap it down. Well, I got on the website. And I said, well, just, just to find Christianity. To find Christians. They gave us information about what Christians believe. And that's great. We want people to know that Jesus died for our sins, that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus forgives our sins. But we also want people to know that Jesus didn't just do that thing in the past. He does that thing in the future. And he does that thing right now. And he takes what we believe and he transforms it and it explodes with this anointing of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through your life. So my question is this, what would people know us by? What would people define us by? As individuals, as a group? I, I tell you this, the lady that leads FEMA, she came to Birmingham and she said that there's been more money spent already by the faith-based community in Birmingham than the entire federal government spent during the entire disaster of Katrina. In fact, I, I believe, I, I think, and I, I mean, it's probably bad to say this, Man, I think Katrina brought out the worst in New Orleans. And there was rioting and there was looting. And I think a lot of that was because just honestly, the church wasn't there. There was no church that was there as a major force that was present. And somehow the, the, the disaster in Birmingham has brought out like the glory of Christ's bride. Amen. And it's been a lot of guys like Frank at the front of the charge. Okay, because the Holy Spirit rests on Frank. Here's the issue. When the tornado's over, what do people know us by? What do people know us by? Do they know us just by what we believe or do they know you by the empowerment that the Holy Spirit has put on you? See, I, I, I think, I, I think they could know us because there are, there are single moms that are out here in this neighborhood and in this city. And, and, and I think they could know us by in a few short years. Just by, oh wow, you know, that's the group that took those kids that were supposed to be illegitimate and that's the words they would use. 
That's just what they would say. And those kids are preachers now. Are those kids that were on the street that were selling drugs? I mean, they're leading sports leagues now. Or are the kids that were thieves that were stealing and thugging? I mean, are you kidding? Those kids are building and renovating old dilapidated buildings into houses? You, do you see? I mean, for goodness sake, like people were running around and thugging after school. What? And now they're over there praying? And or, or, I mean, just you take the base level and you just go, my goodness, like now there's just so much just honor and just so much respect that's just flooded the neighborhood where it's just yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And there's just kind of this culture of just, just peace. Do you see? You see, it's not just the information. It is that the Holy Spirit has anointed each and every single one of you. And he wants to take that information and he wants to download it and transform it and make it into something glorious through you individually, through us as a group. Do you see it? And he's doing it even now. He's doing it even now. Can I pray for you? Okay, there you go. My prayer for you is that when you heard that, it, it wasn't so just cataclysmically informing, like, oh, this is all these facts and this is all this data. That, that would really kind of circumvent the entire message right here. My hope is that what it did is it gave you really just this empowerment to start walking it out that it gave you this freedom to realize that man, if you don't have all the information, you don't know all the data, you don't know all the stories, you don't know all the scripture verses, hey, hey, that's okay. Because the measure of this was never about having access to information. Now, the info is important for sure. We want to study, we want to learn. In fact, there are Bible verses, study to show yourself approved, right? Like all, all doctrine is uh, great for training and for reproof and it, Timothy talks about that and how the scripture helps lead us to that in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Like it's it's important, but the more important thing is the Holy Spirit actually working in your life, bringing about this transformation that Paul says, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, you are transformed. I am changed from one degree of glory to another. Okay, so if you're lacking on the information, goodness, we all are. We're going to be learning forever, but it's about the transformation. It's about the real world life change that you and I get to experience right now. Now, look in the show notes below. I put a link to the ebook. Uh, Redemption is the name of it. That is the first series that we began talking about way back in 2011 when we taught at the Dream Center. That is where I really started developing that message of grace that you see so much about on my website. You can get that ebook absolutely free. And if you prefer the, the paperback book. I've, I put a link there where you can buy that. We'll ship it to you absolutely free as well. Or there is the older version of the book. You say, what's the older version of the book? The older version of the book just means it has a different cover. That is all. And instead of being a five and a half by eight and a half, it's a six by nine. We'll ship it to you. I think it's like five bucks. We will send it to you absolutely free. You pay the five bucks, you buy it, shipping's included. All right. All that information is down below. My prayer for you today is that the Lord would bless you. He would keep you, be gracious to you, shine his face of favor upon you, that you would feel this release in your soul, this break in your spirit, that if you don't have all the facts, don't have all the figures, don't have everything sorted, that's okay. 
You'll get it in time. Jesus didn't come to just inform you. He came to inspire you. He didn't come to just educate you. He came that you would have an encounter. He didn't come that you would just have information. He came to bring about transformation. And may you experience that grace, peace. I'll see you again very soon.